You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to start with one of my favorite verses tonight, verse 24. Most of you know it, many by heart. It says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore... I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I love that verse. It says, I, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. I want to talk about those ideas tonight. When I read that verse, the first thing that, that comes to my brain, the first thing that, that comes to mind is, is uh, as he's talking about being the kind of, you know, a man that fights like a man beating the air, I have to go to the boxing, you know, and I think of, uh, boxing, now see, we're at NCAA tournament started today, it's, an, it's a national holiday, I don't know if you know that, NCAA tournament day, and uh, the other one is the, the Super Bowl. So anyway, uh, and you know, like today we have the NCAA tournament, we got, we got the NFL, we, we have other sports are, are the prime sports that are, that are mostly known. Uh, but back in the day, boxing was the sport. Like boxing was the sport of champions. Boxing was the, the most, uh, I mean, think of it, it's two guys, one ring, just beating each other until someone can't stand anymore. I mean, talk about, talk about the like, that is the, the mano and mano. That's like the, you go out. I mean, that is the manly sport. That was the best athletes were boxers. And, and, and so, uh, I mean, you know, like we, 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 we witnessed this through some movies, you know, like with Russell Crowe and we're like all stirred to be cool. Boxing, boxing movies are the most inspirational movies. I don't know if you know that or not. The greatest movies ever are the Rocky movies. I'm not joking. That's true. But the greatest boxer of all time Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer of all time. Now, most of you might not know who that is. It is not Will Smith. As much as you might think that that's what it was. It was an actual person and still is an actual person, actually. Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer of all time. Now, Muhammad Ali was, was kind of strange in that he was an incredible athlete, probably the greatest athlete of his day, but he was also a talker. Uh, I mean, he could talk trash. He talked a lot. And, uh, and Anybody know what he's most famous, his most famous saying that he's ever said? Anybody? Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Oh, yeah. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Now, when I was growing up, all my friends and I, we, we wanted to be that kind of Muhammad Ali-esque type, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Now, girls, you might not relate with this. You might not understand, fellas. You might. Um, but me and my friends, we, we had this strange habit of beating each other in the face. And uh, I don't know if any of you and your friends did that, but uh, we'd always like, we'd always form these little like, whether it was like wrestling tournaments or boxing tournaments or whatever it may be, for some reason as young boys, we loved to beat each other up and, and there, therefore we became best friends. And I remember one time specifically, I was, uh, it was after church. We had, we had our youth group on Wednesday night. And then, so after church, my friend brought boxing gloves. 
And so we were like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Boxing gloves, like we don't have to wrap our hands in towels. We actually have boxing gloves. And so we were like, oh, let's get, we got we a box. We got a box, let's do it. So we go out there, we get this, a huge crowd of people, youth groups over, it's great. And so you have people form the ring because you don't have ropes. And, and so then you get in there and, and my friends are all beating on each other and it's great. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's wonderful. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm not the biggest of people. I know, strange, isn't it? And so, so then it came my turn to fight. And I'm like, oh yeah, I love this, yeah. And then like, here you go, Dan. I'm like, huh? I'm like, no, no, who am I fighting? And so I went out and I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I got to fight someone legitimate. I can't just go in there against anybody. I got to find somebody legitimate. And so I found the smallest, <laughs> weakest person I could find. And I was like, dude, come on, it's going to be awesome. You, dude, you, you can beat me. Come on. I mean, literally, this is like the only kid in youth group smaller than me. I was like, come on. Oh, bro, I'm little. I'm t- you, can, you can totally beat me. And so somehow I convinced this young man to, to box. And I'm talking, uh, he, was, he was not big. Literally, he, uh, think of Jameson and me was me to him. <laughs> you know, I mean, this was a little man. Well, maybe not quite that. Well, almost. So, but I, I got him in there. So we get our, we got our boxing gloves on. And we're like, oh, this is going to be great, right? And, and so this is, this is what guys do, still. Anyway, uh, and so we get in there, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be nice to him, you know, let him get in a couple hits in. And so, I mean, this kid, really, not a lot of athletic ability. And so, like, he punches me, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. And we're, we're going, and, you know, I start dancing around. I'm like, oh, oh, you know, you do the head fake. And you're like, you know, you start saying it, you're like, Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, what? You know, and you start dancing around. And then all of a sudden, he comes in out of nowhere, this little tiny guy, and just boom, right to the face. Now, I don't know if you've ever had been hit in the face, had been hit in the face. I don't know if you've ever been hit in the face, but um, it alarms you more than anything. So he hits me square in the face. I like take three steps back, and I'm like, he just this little one. And so then I was like, oh, I'm serious now. I'm like, none of this messing around business. I'm going, all right, it's on now. And so we go and we're, we're, you know, we exchange his. And then all of a sudden he rears back and he pulls back and he's, he, oh, the athlete that he is, he's go, he goes to punch me. You know, <laughs> fist like that. And I, and I see it, it like parts like the Red Sea, his face, oh, face right there. And I'm like, this is my moment. I get my Mike Tyson's punch out, groove on, and I'm just like, boom! And I hit him right in the glasses. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm not joking. This kid, the smallest kid in youth group, he like does the like pace back and forth because his, his eyes are going every which way. And he goes like back one way back the other way, and finally ends up like against a tree on the ground, glasses shattered all over his face. And there I am. I'm like, seriously, like, I'm over top of him. And I'm, I mean, he's knocked. He's out. You know, our friend, they count to 10. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, eight, nine, 10. And 10, I'm like jumping around. Woo! He's still not getting up. And I'm like, woo! Woo, dude, don't die. <laughs> Dude, don't, don't die. Listen, this is bad for me if you die. Don't die. 
You know, so like we're like tapping him on the cheek. Come on, come on, don't die. You know, he's out. And finally, all of a sudden, you know, you see the like, oh, and he's alive. And I'm like, bro, I knocked you out. Oh, I knocked you out. And I'm like, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, flap, slap, baby. What's up now? You know, I'm like, I got you good. Man, I don't know what it is, but there's a something in that moment. If you knock someone out, listen, it feels good. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. As Muhammad Ali, that's what he would say. He'd say that because this man was like, he was like a dancer in the ring. That was my Muhammad Ali moment. He, you know, he was like, he would dance and then he'd knock people out. And so he both, he, he looked good knocking people out. Now, not a lot of people can look good knocking people out. Boxing is not a very elegant sport. However, somehow he made it that way. He would dance and, and people would get tired and then boom, he'd knock him out. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I think that's an intriguing phrase. Because what it's saying is, you look good, but then you have some substance behind it. Not only do you look good in the moment, but then you have the ability to, have, to, to pack a punch behind your dancing around, behind your looking good. I want to talk to us tonight because I think that sometimes a lot of us, we really like to look good. We really got this thing down, this, the float like a butterfly part. We really got that. We know how to look good. We know how to talk right. We know how to do the good things. But I want to know, are we living in such a way that our lives actually have power behind them? One of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 4.20. says, the kingdom of God is not one of mere talk, but of power. Are we the kind of people that have power behind our words? Or is all we're doing is dancing around looking real pretty? See, when Paul says this, he says, I do not fight like a man beating the air. I mean, think about that shadow boxing is, you know, like you got boxers out there and, and, and you've all seen the movies. Maybe you've seen the, the fights, you know. And, and what they do is, is they throw punches when, when there's nobody in front of them. It's kind of like a warm-up, kind of like slash intimidation factor, right? Now, see, in the moment of fighting somebody, in, in the boxing movies, you know, like Rocky Three, you got Mr. T in the corner, right? And, and I'm telling you, I'm going to reference those all night, those movies. And, you know, Mr. T in the corner, and he's, he's throwing those punches, you know, and he's just throwing them. And Rocky's over there looking at this massive man. It's even worse. In Rocky Four, anyway, massive man throwing the, and he's like, if those punches hit me in the face, that's a bad day. But the interesting thing is that no matter how many punches they throw from across the ring, none of them really hurt. None of them really land. And as long as we're just kind of doing the shadow boxing thing, where we think we're doing something, we're we're throwing good punches, where we look like we're doing a lot, we're not really doing anything if they're not landing. Does that make sense? I mean, listen, uh, one last time. I'm a Rocky geek. So I, when I was younger, of course, I would watch these Rocky movies. And I don't know if you've ever watched the Rocky fights in slow motion. Um, I have. And Sylvester Stallone doesn't so much hit the opponent as much as he misses them by like a foot. I'm not even joking. Go home, watch these movies in slow motion. He misses their face by like a foot foot and then they react as if they got hit and it's really like it kind of takes a little bit of a way because you think he's this awesome like fighter and then you're like dude what do you like blow him over i mean you know like the wind knocked him down 
When you're throwing punches in a, in a boxing match, if you're not really hitting them, it's not really doing a lot of good. I hope that we're the kind of people that with our actions, with what we do in our life, it's making a real impact. It's really pressing the issue we're not, we're, that our actions make an impact in our own life and in the life of others. I think sometimes we get caught up in just doing fun things and looking real cute and pretty, but Paul here, Paul's saying he did this for a reason. He trained himself. He, he did it to win the prize. He, he had a reason. He wasn't just trying to look good for other people. Being a part of a community like this, whether it be the furnace, whether it be DI, 24-7, just being at New Life, whatever it may be, being a part of a community like this, it's real easy to start to learn the language. It's real easy to start to learn how to go through the motions so that your accountability leader can ask you questions and you, you can answer them properly and, and accountability leaders know how to ask questions in such a way that you are able to answer it in such a way that you really don't have to talk about anything and it feels like you talked about something. It's easy to learn how to say the right things. It's easy to learn how to, how to come to a prayer meeting and, and sit on the front row and pace back and forth because if I'm pacing, people think I'm praying. It's easy to learn how to do these motions. It's easy to learn how to fake having a good attitude in workouts. It's easy how to, to learn how to, to pretend like you're listening in class. It's easy to learn how to, to just kind of fake it. And I think that's a danger for us because I think a lot of us have learned how to talk a good game. But is there substance behind it? Are the things that you're doing, you are here, you've set apart this year in your life to go deep in God, and are the things that you're doing, are you allowing them to make such an impact that it will impact you beyond this place? Are you, is what you're doing now making an impact in you, or are you just kind of going through the motions, you've signed a vow, or you've joined a program, and you do what you have to do, but there's no real power behind it? I hope that's not the case. I, I think sometimes it is. And here's how, what I think we do. I think most of us have had a real power encounter moment with God. We've had this moment where we sign up and we say, God, I love you. God, I want to be with you. And in that moment, we say, I'm going to do something crazy like join the furnace. Or I'm going to do something crazy like go to 24-7 for a year. Or in that moment, we say, okay, what I'm going to do now is, God, I, I, I love you. This is, we're, we're at retreat and oh my goodness, it's so amazing. And God, I am fasting the rest of my life, you know, and I won't eat again until you tell me to eat, you know, and then somehow at 10 o'clock that night, he's like, hey, you should eat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or I heard the Lord speak to me, <laughs> you know, but, but in the moment of encounter, we have this, we, we say these extravagant things, God, I'll never watch those movies again, God, I'll never, I'll never do this, I'll never do that, I'll never hang out with those people, we make these extravagant promises, and I think they're rooted in a good place. The, 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 our, our motivations are real and they're good. But what tends to happen is that as we start to progress, we have the encounter moments, kind of like when you're, at, when you're a kid, for those of you that grew up, don't, grew up going to church camp. You have, the, you have the camp experience, the summer camp experience. Then you come home and all of a sudden you're not being told what to do every moment of every day. You don't have worship scheduled into your life and so you had the, the camp experience and it was awesome 
But then you come home and like a week later, man, it's still burning, it's still going, you're still feeling it, you're loving it, you're like, oh, raw God, this is awesome, you know? And then like another week later, you're like, oh, remember camp, that was so good, I was so close to God, oh, wonderful. Then another week, then another week. Before you know it, it, it kind of, you, you kind of forget that moment that what we, you know, we in, the, in Christianese call that, that mountaintop moment, you know, where you, you, you connected with God and, and you kind of start to forget that. And you're just kind of going through the motions and you don't really know why. I think sometimes we do that. We, we say, God, I'm going to fast every, every Monday for the next 10 years. And a month goes by and we love it. And two months and then eventually it's kind of like, people are like, why, what are you doing? Why aren't you eating? And you're like, oh, I, I do this thing where I don't eat on Mondays. I can't tell you why. I don't know. I just don't do it. You know, I don't go to movies like that because my parents told me not to, because their parents told them not to, because their parents told them not to. And what started out as a power moment with God, with your heart alive, becomes rules and regulations. And, and, and you start to place on yourself this weird mentality that it's like it, you lose the, the encounter, and, but you still have the, the life of, of living by, by rules. I think it's a dangerous place to be. We, that's, I think that's sometimes how we try to police our own righteousness, our own, our own holiness. You know, we're like, listen, I am never going to watch rated R movies. I am never going to listen to that kind of music. I will never kiss those kind of boys. I will never, you know, like we start, we start saying, we start setting up these laws and we place our, we place our, uh, not me, of course, I'm saying other. Anyway, we start placing these, these rules on ourselves saying, and, and I think from my experience, it starts in a good place. You started the program that you're in because you had an encounter with God. Now you're about three-fourths the way through the year. And are you, do you still remember the moment of why you signed up? Or are things starting to get a little fuzzy and it's, like, it's a little harder to do the disciplines? It's a little harder to go to the prayer meetings. It's a little harder to spend time with God, not because you think it's bad, not because you, you, you don't do it out of a wrong motive, out of wrong spirit, but you just don't, it's not alive within you. It's not oozing out. I think it's pretty simple to get there and, and we start to just go through the motions. It becomes mundane. The problem is, is these rules that we set on ourselves or, or that, that other people place on us and that we try to live by generally are exterior things. We set these things on, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. There, there, there are certain rules that I just, I can't break that. And it's about the exterior actions of your life. And I think that if you're setting yourself up to follow rules that cause you to not do exterior things, you're setting yourself up for failure. Colossians 2 says this, <clears throat> verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Why, as though you still submit to it, do you follow the rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. 
I think that's where a lot of us live. We live in the do nots. We live in the, the don't do this and don't do that. It's kind of the, the, the thing that we've, we've, we've learned how to do it. You know, don't, don't go there. Don't hang with those people. You know, don't, don't do those bad things. Don't watch this. Don't. You know, don't touch that. You know, like, it's all these things, these rules that we, the, the don'ts of our life. And I, I like in verse 17 where it says, these things are a mere shadow. The reality, though, is Christ. These rules that we've placed, these rules, a, a lot of us have rules, and I think they're really good. They're there to help us in our godliness. They're there to help us be, be, be ways of achieving our pursuit of God. But when they become the primary, and Jesus isn't the primary, then there's something wrong. Jesus has to be the primary motive behind everything. When it comes to our godly living, most of us focus on the exterior. We focus on the actions rather than cultivating the heart. Let Jesus come and, and let the, his activity in your life be what then causes you to, to do the actions. I like verse 23 of Colossians 2. I like how it says it in the New Living. <clears throat> it says this, Such rules are mere human teachings about things that are gone as soon as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, humility, and severe bodily discipline. But this is the key. But they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. I'll read it again. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, humility, and severe bodily discipline. Those are good things. Those seem like good things. But they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. Listen, friends, as we set up these parameters, these, these fences for us, these rules, those are good. But they don't have any power to change your heart. Rules cannot change your thought life. Rules cannot change your heart. So then what does? I said it earlier, I think if we're living by this do not list, that, what, that it cannot last. And all we're doing is we're, we're, we're throwing some good punches, if you will, but we're not landing them. We look really good, we're doing the exercises, but there's not power behind it. And inevitably, I don't think that we can keep it up. I don't think that after this year is over, if, if the reason you're doing things is because rules have been placed on you, then you won't continue to do that. If the reason you're, you're going to prayer meetings is because you have to in order to fill out a, a gathering card, then guess what? It's probably not really alive within you. If the reason that you're, you're doing whatever it is in your life that is a discipline in following Jesus is because either someone is telling you to or you're afraid of what other people will think if you don't do it, then eventually those things will fade. You'll find yourself in a year, in two years, Thinking back, oh, remember the good old days when I was that passionate person? Oh, that was then, this is now, I'm much smarter and wiser now. I know, that, you know, and so that's not real. You can't keep that up forever. You're right. You can't keep it up forever if it is simply rules and laws. But if it's in your heart, absolutely you can. The Bible says, be holy as I am holy. 
God says, in 1 Peter, it says, be perfect as I am perfect. That's a big deal. And I don't think, I think we're the kind of people that, that know that we don't receive commands that we can't keep. Be holy as I am holy. You don't have to just do it for a short time. It's not, oh, remember when. It can last a lifetime. I've seen it. I know 60 and 70-year-olds that have done it their whole life. But it's because it was in their heart, not in their actions. Their heart overflowed into their actions. But it wasn't their actions trying to change their heart. Because it won't happen. It can't happen. They have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. If that's the consistency of our Christianity, is just doing good things, what we've done is eliminate, eliminate Christ. If your Christianity is about being good, then you've taken Jesus out of the picture. As a matter of fact, if that's what your Christianity is about, then you might as well sit at home, watch Oprah, and call it church. You know, you might as well sit at home, do good things, watch Dr. Phil, Joel's favorite show, you know, and, and, and call it being a good Christian. Because you've eliminated Christ. Galatians 5, 4 says, You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from the grace. You who are trying to be justified by the law, those that are trying to be justified by doing good works, you've been alienated. Listen, I, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying that we're the kind of people that, that are so consumed with law that we're alienating ourselves. I'm saying that is the danger if you don't let it get into your heart. If you don't let things get into your, to your inner man and you're just following rules, then you're in danger of trying to fulfill the law. And you just can't do it. You will fail. Isaiah 29, 13. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up of rules taught by men. I think that's a scary verse. They worship me with their mouth but their hearts are far from me because their, their rules or they're, they're made up only of rules taught by men. I don't want to be the kind of person that, that my life is just made up rules. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that there is real validity in having guidelines to help us in our, be successful in our life in God. I know you know that because half of you, I make you do things. But the point is, is that it, that can't be what it's about. If you're doing things because of Joe tells you to, then guess what? You're wrong. If you're doing things because Josiah tells you to, you're wrong. If you're doing things because your accountability leader tells you to, you're wrong. That's not the ultimate motivation. Luke eleven thirty four. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eyes are bad, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. As I read over that, it didn't make sense. Does it make sense? See to it that the light within you is not darkness. How can light be dark? That doesn't make sense. So I was like, okay, I'm going to study this. I'm going to learn. I'm going to find out. So I, I went and read some commentaries on it. And it turns out that 
The commentary said nothing. And so I was like, fine. Study light. Find out what it says in the Greek. I'm going to find out what it says. Take it back. I'm going to learn. What does this mean? This makes no sense. That the light within you is not darkness. What kind of sense is that? So I looked it up. And interestingly enough, if you look at the word darkness there, that comes from the Greek word skatos, which means darkness. Yeah, a lot of help that one was. Make sure, see to it that the light within you is not darkness. What does that mean? If you're reading it, Jesus is talking about our eyes are the lamp of our body. And if your eyes are good, then your whole body is good. If your eyes are bad, then your body follows that. And yes, I think he is talking about what you physically look at. No doubt about it. What you look at will begin to shape who you are. But I think there's something even greater. I think you can look at this. I think Jesus is saying... The eyes are the lamp of your body. What you focus on is who you'll be. What your life focus is, is what you're going to be. And if your focus of your life is on God and is on light, then, you're, then the rest of you is going to follow. But if you've lost focus from the, from the head, then the rest of you is going to follow that. And I think that as, as I was praying about this idea... It's a big deal how, where we focus our life. How can light become darkness within us? I think it's what I talked about earlier when we have, the, when we have that camp experience, you know. Maybe, it's, maybe for you it's this year. I don't know. But, but when we have that, that mountaintop experience with God, and it's that really great moment, and we think we're good, and we are, and a month later, we haven't renewed what God did in our heart. We're just going off of, to use another Christianese term, yesterday's manna. You know, we're going off of yesterday's encounter rather than seeking an encounter with God today. And therefore, the light that was in, in us is now darkness because we're not really focusing on Jesus anymore. We had an encounter with God. We set up some rules. We set up some guidelines. We had this inspiration moment. And then a month later, two months later, we're still trying to tap that resource rather than fighting for encounter with God today, rather than fighting to be in his presence today. And I think that's where the light becomes darkness because we, we forget, we're not focusing on Jesus. We're focusing on activity. We're focusing on actions. We're focusing on everything else about the Christian life except for Jesus. Galatians 5, 6 says this. It says, the only thing that counts in faith, or sorry, the only thing that counts is faith expressed through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressed through love. Our actions have to be an overflow of our heart. Our life has to be an overflow of a meeting with Jesus. The Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, and the life I live, I live in Him. See, we're not our own anymore, friends. We don't belong to ourselves. We have, for those of us that are in this room, we have given ourselves to Him. And what that means is that every action can be worshiped to Jesus. Every activity, no matter how great or how small, has the potential to bring Him glory. But it's not a one time thing. 
You don't sign up one day, say, I love Jesus with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and then tomorrow I'm, I'm good. I already signed up. No, tomorrow I got to sign up again. And the next day I got to sign up again. I'm coming before Jesus time and time again because my tendency is to grow tired. My tendency is to grow weary. Dave's been talking these last few weeks on the love of the Father prodigal son God's love over us listen friends that is what will keep you going there's no selfishness in trying to grasp God's love for you there is no selfishness in asking God to reveal himself to you sometimes we might get we, we might feel that way because we want to pray for God to move in this generation or in other countries or in, our, in, in you know this other people we don't want to pray for ourselves. Listen, there is no selfishness in asking God to reveal his love for you. And that is the thing that will empower you to not live based on rules and regulations, but to live a life overflowing in Christ. Where Christ is the root, where he comes in, he changes your heart. Therefore, he changes your motives. And when your heart is right, and your motives are right, then your actions, guess what? Those other things are a natural byproduct. You're not going to do things that, because you have a, a heart alive in him. All of a sudden, the things that used to be attractive, therefore you had to make rules against them, are no longer attractive. Let Jesus come in and change your heart from the inside out. Sounds like a song. I think it's easy <clears throat> for us to get tired. You, a lot of you guys are going through this, this year. There's, there's a, a lull that hits about this time. I think it's easy to, to get tired and try to, when we get tired, what we do is we try to go off of our own strength. We try to man up or woman up. I don't know how you say that, sorry. You know, and we try to, we try to do what's right. And I got to just face it and go through it. And I think that's natural. I think it's natural, but I don't think you have to. Psalm eighteen twenty eight says this, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. Make my God turns my darkness into light. So here's the thing, friends. When left up to us, our light becomes darkness. When it's up to us, what happens is, is we start to focus on other things and the light that was once in us becomes darkness. But when we are continually coming before God day in and day out, placing our, uh, ourselves before him, humbly saying, God, I am yours. Change my darkness into light. He is your strength. He is the, the one that comes and rescues you. And it's not about you having to conjure up the strength to do anything. I want to encourage you today that this is possible. It is possible to, as it says in 1 Peter, be holy as he is holy. Be set apart. It is possible. And the good news is it has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. We've talked about it many times in the last month. The scripture says that we love because he first loved us. We have the ability to love because he first loved us. 
And as we begin to understand this idea of God's love for us, then these rules, these, these, these laws that are placed on us by other people or are placed on us by ourselves, it, they fade away because your natural desire will be to want to go above and beyond them. See, I don't care that any of you come and do the furnace for a year or two years. And then get your ring, get your plaque, got the, bam, stamp of approval, I'm done, great, now I can move on. That's not what this is about. It's not about coming and doing 24-7 for a year, and when you leave, boom, you're, you're all that you can be 24-7, you know. It's not about doing DI, and it's not about doing these things and, be, and, and getting the, the certificate that says you did it, therefore you must be hardcore. If you leave this place and these things aren't rooted inside of you, then we, the staff, we, the accountability leaders, have failed you. But the problem is, is that the only way that's going to happen is if you go after it. Because your accountability leader can try as hard as they want to get these things into you. If you don't go hard, if you don't try, then they won't happen. I don't care to see anybody graduate and feel successful for graduating. I care that in 10 years, you're still successful. I care that in 20 years, you have a godly family, that you're godly, that you are advancing the kingdom of God. That's what matters. I want you all to leave here healthy and, and, and empowered to change the world. Not, not, I did a thing, they put some rules on me, I'm so awesome, yay. They're not that hard, really. I mean, anybody can come through and fake it for a year. I want to challenge you. Let's go hard after Jesus. I want to encourage you to, to look at your life and look at the things that, where the areas that you've tried to, in your own strength, achieve godliness and righteousness. Look at the areas where you, you feel like others have placed guidelines on you and you do them because you have to or you do them for the approval of others, but in the midst of it, your heart is in a little rebellion. You don't want to be doing it you kind of have a, oh, this is lame mentality. I want to encourage you, check that. Don't allow that to creep up. Some of you, maybe it's already crept up. <laughs> crept, creeped, anyway. You know, it, it is possible. But if you see that happening, please go to your leader. Go to your team leader. Go to your accountability leader. Say, I cannot allow this to happen. I cannot allow myself to fall in the rut of thinking I can do it on my own thinking I'm, I'm too good for these things. I want the heart of this to live in each of you, but it matters little what I want. It matters little what your accountability leader wants or what Joe wants or what David wants, what your pastor wants. What matters is what do you want? How hard are you going to go after the things of God? How much are you going to apply yourself? How deep are you going to go? Our verse that we all love, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I take that almost like a dare. That's like a challenge. And some of us have tasted it. Some of us haven't. But let's be the kind of people that are pressing for that. Go ahead and stand with me. Father, I pray for my friends tonight. God, I pray that we'll be the kind of people that 
our lives radiate your power. That we don't just say the right things and do the right things, but it's not about mere talk. It's about the power of God. Jesus, we invite your power to come in each of us. God, I pray for more Holy Spirit activity in our hearts. God, I pray for more Holy Spirit activity as we go to work, as we go to school, as we meet with one another. May we not settle for second best, God, but may we press on to grasp you. I just want to encourage you, go ahead and just place your hands out like this. I just want to pray for the power of God to be in us. I want, just take this moment and search your own heart and search your own faith. Let's begin to ask God for, for more of his power, for more real depth in him. Jesus, we give you our life again tonight. Father, we sign up again saying we will be wholehearted. We don't want to be half-hearted. We don't want to be lazy. We want to be wholehearted in our pursuit of you. Father, I pray that you will give us strength to sign up again tomorrow morning. To go hard again. God, I thank you that it is your love that empowers us. And it is your work that changes our darkness into light. May our focus be on you. May our gaze be on you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.